0: My name is Bob Howard, and I'm the host of A Close Call with Death. Have you had one? I have. I've actually had 12 close calls with death, and now my ambition is to interview others that have come dangerously close to dying and yet didn't and are alive to tell us about it. What pivotal moment does someone have that causes you to look at life differently and see the real value and gift of what we have and not waste it? These interviews reveal the great luck or destiny to elude death and live on now what kind of life will they have what kind of second half are they striving for enjoy this tonight we have ben gun i've been waiting for this interview for a long time Ben actually recommended Lori Higby to be on the show several episodes ago, and Lori's story was incredible about her near-death experience of nearly drowning on Utah Lake and spending over 12 hours out in frigid waters and and uh, and living. It was incredible. So we've been trying to get in touch with um, Ben for a while, and years ago Ben was with his. Uh, party of six, was with five family members in an airplane in Alaska, flying to go fishing, and that plane went down. And we're going to talk about that tonight. I'm so grateful that you are alive, that you're here with me now to talk about your story. And um, I'm just excited to get into this. Thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. So let's get going with this story. Uh, Ben, thank you so much uh, for, for just coming tonight and uh, sharing your story I've been really excited about hearing this story of yours talk to me first a little bit about just you you know who are you and where do you live little family dynamics whatever give us a little color
1: yeah I kind of thought about this before we came over and I you know when I think about myself I've said a lot of things through the years but my identity is I'm a son of God Mm -hmm. first and I'm a husband, second, and I'm a father, third. And those are my passions. You bet. That really defines who I am. And it's taken me four decades plus to be able to really define that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of trials and tribulations and refining to be able to say that and feel that. Beyond that, man, we love to travel. We is stephanie and the kids and i and how many kids I get do to you go have too. four kids so our oldest is 18 and our youngest is 10 and then we have a daughter in between three boys a uh, 12 year old daughter and a 15 year old boy yeah, the other two ends are boys fantastic bookends Looking boys, might have added up to like six, but (laughs) it's four. (laughs) Like how many kids we have here,
0: and and we have Stephanie here um, with us tonight. So what we're gonna do is, you know, for a little fact checking and uh, (laughs) story integrity, we're gonna um, allow Stephanie to jump in if you feel so. You know, imposing to uh, jump in on the story and would like to add, you know, some reflections that you have, you know, feel free to do that. That that would be great if that's okay with you, Ben.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome.
0: So um starting out you got a beautiful family. You live here in Utah where?
1: Yeah, we're in Alpine. We live backed up to a field and pretend we live on a farm. So we love it there. Mountains are beautiful. How long have you lived there? Oh it's been twelve, thirteen years. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fact checking fact checking (laughs) yeah fantastic
0: alpine is a gorgeous area we we love the wasatch mountains
1: yeah we leave and we come back and we're always happy to come home there's always peace there in our home that's where we recharge and reset and refocus and by the time we get those three things done yeah we're gone again you're gone again well and you know what uh, when i talked earlier about
0: um you know just trying to track you down to get you on the show <laughs> honestly I think when we first started talking it was about a year ago back october of 22. it's now November 23 and uh and it's because you you do a lot of travel you're you're gone quite a bit and out of town and uh busy and so now that we've got you tracked down and and you're here'm i just so so <laughs> excited when you travel do you do you travel with the whole fam do you take all the kids over time uh, as t- got- you've yeah. Had them? Do you just take them too?
1: We love to travel with our kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've done some bigger trips with them across uh, country, out of country. And we've seen how it's affected them. It's really given them perspective on the world and people in general. They've been able to see that most people are good. Yeah. And that what you hear on the news and what you, you – know, bad stories that typically make the rounds – maybe think about those and and they're thoughtful in that and they've seen we were in the south when a lot of those things were happening mm-hmm. during covid and and we just had different experiences than what you hear on tv or on the radio like real life tends to be a little bit different
0: Yeah, you know it's so interesting that you say that because uh um you know we we really got hung up watching the news during covid and with all the riots and things going on in the country and all the upheaval with the um, political races and everything. And it really can paralyze you to where you feel like you're not going to be able to safely travel uh, nationally around our country, nor um, across the seas, you know, in other countries. And it's refreshing to to me to hear that there are good people all over the place. They're waiting for us to come see their country. And, and uh, we can't let just a few Incidences of, of violence just discourage us from, from you know, travel, wouldn't
1: yeah. you think? Yeah, there's beauty everywhere, yeah. and, and, and that's what we found. What's just your biggest passion you know, wh- as far as hobbies and things? What do you guys get into? Well, my biggest passion, and I just discovered this maybe last week, and I might get emotional about this. Yeah. Because it's been a really long journey for me in life. And I've struggled with a lot of different things, but to find my passion has always been like this important thing for me, especially in the last three years. Yeah. Really focused on it. And and it was powerful for me to realize that it was people. Hmm. My passion is people and experiencing things with people that I love and value. And, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be a hobby or like... (laughs) way to spend my time by myself and it turned out it's how I time uh, the time I spend with other people that's what I'm most passionate about and that starts of course with my family And, and that's why we travel together so much and spend so much time together and and I love it I love our shared experiences it's a lot of work it's a sacrifice I think a lot of people picture like oh you went to Southeast Asia for three months and sat on the beach. Or, well, what'd you do? And it's like, it's a lot of work. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. We drove thousands of miles and spent hours packed in a tiny compact car sitting on each other's lap. And it's just a lot of work. And I love it. I love every second <laughs> of it. And we spend all our money on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, n- yeah, we don't, we're going to keep doing that.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. And do your kids uh, share the same passion as you of travel and, you know, getting out there and seeing the world?
1: Yeah, that's kind of a cool thing to see as your kids get older, to see how your influence has affected them in a positive way through the years. For not sure. Not negative.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah, so, they love to travel. They want that. Like my boys in particular see that and they say, I want to do this with my family. And to me, that's so rewarding because... I know what that means. It means that they're excited to be a dad. Yeah. And to uh, be a husband in, in a good way.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. I'm so happy that, you know, you, you take your role as a, a leader of your family and you being a dad and a husband seriously and um, enjoy it, you know, and you just try and get the most out of this possible, which leads me to think about um, your close call with death. And all of us, you know, face death at some point in our lives, and we're, we're all going to go there and return to our Heavenly Father. So while we're here, there are these moments when y- you just have this real brush with not being here anymore, and, and I want to kind of lead up to that with your story. Take us through where when this happened, how uh, how long ago it was, and some details on leading up to that moment. What, where were you at? What were you doing?
1: Yeah, of course. Stephanie and I had met back in 1999, right before everything burned down because it was turning 2000. You know, everything was going to oh, shut Oh, gosh, down. yes.
0: Yeah, you're right. All the computers are going to just go out <laughs> and <the laughs> whole world is going to end in 2000. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I saw her in Las Vegas. We were both down there. She didn't see me. But when we connected sometime later and met for real for the first time, I remembered seeing her in Las Vegas, So that was y kind of a cool moment. Y2K. Y2K. Yeah, Y2K yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that moment. And so we started a date, and in <laughs> I know the year, <laughs> it was in 2000 that you went on a mission. Yeah, see? I knew that. She decided to serve a mission and i tried to talk her out of it for a little bit and then i was humbled and and told that she needed to go mm-hmm. by someone other than us
2: <laughs> in,
1: <laughs> in an important place and i humbled myself and and was supportive and i waited for her while she served a mission in france paris france and that was really hard and she came back and we got married really pretty quickly and we got to spend some time I, we just, yeah, and, and I got to know her family better, and her dad in particular. We spent some time traveling around, uh, doing work trips. Mm-hmm. Can't see the...
0: <laughs> Little quote air quotes
1: <laughs> yeah. in your hands. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one time we did, and I got heat stroke, so it was pretty ugly. We <laughs> <laughs> did most of the work. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we hit it off, we were great friends, and yeah this this was in 2003 where these things started to happen and and he we'd been to lake Powell, and he was talking about going up to alaska and to go who's on he fishing trip Wh- stephanie's dad sorry okay. yeah his name's gary okay and he wanted to take his sons-in-law her sister had been married to um, awesome guy named kyle and his one of his sons was in Germany. Another of his brothers law I'd been remarried was in Germany, both serving missions. So he had an 18 year old son, Chris. Was he turning 18 or was he already 18? He was 18, yeah. So I- I Chris was coming and then two of his other brothers-in-law, Gordy, Gordon was one, Gordon Moses. And then the other was a twin to the brother serving in Germany and his name was Adam. So we invited us all to go up halibut fishing up in Gustavus at a friend's fishing lodge up there. And I'd never been to Alaska. My family had grown up traveling the United States. That Mm -hmm. was like one of the last places I needed to go. Less frontier. That might've been the last place. I I don't even remember anymore. But so super exciting trip to go up there, have that opportunity. Her dad uh, had planes and helicopters. He loved to fly and was really experienced as a pilot, and we'd been on some amazing flights. Uh, so this was not your
0: first flight uh, no. with him. You'd, you'd done yeah. others.
1: Yeah, it was the f- my first flight, if I remember correctly, in a helicopter with him, and my first flight in a small plane with him. And he had a couple. One was a single engine. This, The one we were going to go up in was a twin engine.
0: Was he a commercial pilot? No. Or, or j- just, private? Yeah, just private? Just private. Okay,
1: Yeah, he did have a commercial pilot's license, too. So, But yeah. that wasn't like his job? No. They're, yeah. No. no, he and his brother owned a company called Interstate Auto Body Parts. They sold aftermarket body parts for yeah. cars. Yeah, yeah. So got really, got really good at that, and it let him have freedom to go do some of those things. So mm-hmm. and this was one of those things, and we were really excited to go up there. But I hope I explain who yeah. these people are good enough. Do you have any other questions? It about so that it's your father-in-law, it's your yep. wife's
0: dad, yep. and brother-in-law's. And <laughs> so you're all, you're all related. You're all family. Y- we're in.
1: Yeah. Yes. In different ways, we were all family, for sure. Yep. He yep. had two brothers-in-law in a new marriage on that plane. And then I had two brothers-in-law on that plane. One of them was his son-in-law, and one of them was his son. Wow. Okay. This
0: is awesome. <laughs> we got it all right. So, six of you, father-in-laws flying the plane. And it was not a float plane, correct? No. This was, was, was a regular?
1: Yep. Yeah, 401, twin-engine Cessna. Okay. Uh, landing gear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So, regular plane. And he kept all of these aircraft up at uh, Bountiful Sky Park. He had a hangar up there. And... So you invite us up to go meet him up there,
2: yeah.
0: And you're going to fly. Were you actually going to fly all the way from Bountiful to Alaska? Then, yep,
1: nice. all the way from Bountiful to Alaska. And you had all your
0: fishing equipment. You were going to go fishing for halibut. Yeah.
1: Okay. That was all set up. So we just brought our little bags, hopped on that plane, and, and took and off. Took off. But not Bob before we had the breakfast of champions, which is what? two double quarter pounders, which he's each that's fantastic mm-hmm. oh man what oh, a trip fantastic.
0: that got you <laughs> starting a great trip. Yeah. so you're all just going on this really cool fishing trip guys trip and and heading out to have fun so yeah what happened um that when, when did when did this all go
1: bad well so uh, we made our way up there it was really turbulent double quarter pounders with cheese turned out to be a horrible decision.
0: Oh my gosh, I bet. Yeah.
1: And we followed those up with some there was some fuel stops along the way. And we stopped up in Port Angeles, Washington. And we decided to get some bean burritos there because that's the best way to chase down <laughs> <a> couple, <laughs> double quarter pounders and turbulence. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. Some yeah, you bean guys burritos.
0: really good choice of food. Yeah.
1: But everything was going great. You know, we we were all getting know, to know each other better. And in those small airplanes, you're wearing the headsets. Yep. And so blocks out a lot of that noise. And we were run a little bit behind, and we were supposed to – our next stop would have been Ketchikan in Alaska. So we're flying that direction up the coast, and we decided to skip the Ketchikan stop because we'd done fuel calculations, and we had seven gallons to spare you know in a car i don't really know what that equates to in an aircraft but in a car i feel totally comfortable having some some gallons to spare on yeah, the trip, right? yeah i'm like that's at 30 miles per gallon miles. you should yeah. get over 200 but right. at
0: least 100 miles out of it
1: yeah yeah so seemed like great decision to me and i'm sure it was a great decision i i don't really know i'm not a pilot so but we're flying along gary had gone up a little higher we were up you know, closer to 16,000 feet to get out of that turbulence and
0: make it burn even more fuel faster. Or
1: Well, and and I'm not sure on all that. Yeah. But we went up and we were just cruising along and making up that time. And just to cut, I'll cut out some of the story, but uh, we got about 20 miles, 28 miles from Gustavus and Gordy, who was his brother-in-law, in his new marriage, was sitting up in the cockpit mm-hmm. with him there, in the co-pilot seat. And I was sitting back. It's kinda It was club seating, like two facing two. Mm-hmm. And then there was a seventh seat back in the rear, which was slash toilet. Okay. And so I was sitting facing Stephanie's brother, Chris, behind the pilot seat. And Kyle, Stephanie's sister's husband, was sitting next to me facing forward to an empty seat. And Adam had laid down in the center aisle and was asleep. The twin, okay, the brother that had gone to Germany. So Gordon's up there and he says, Wow, we're, uh, we're, we're running low on fuel. Gary said, Yeah, we, you know, we're running low on fuel, you're right. And he said, it's below empty.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. And as we, we were making our descent at this time, but as a person, I mean, when you hear that, <laughs> I instantly started to pray. And my experience in life up to that point had been nothing, really. Nothing majorly wrong had gone, had happened in my life. We were scary enough and, uh, to pray about it and ask God to help you. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I prayed and i just said you know heavenly father help us to make it to our destination amen done we're gonna make it yeah in my mind full confidence yeah yeah so we're making our descent gary gets on with air traffic controller and starts talking about you know hey what are some options here for us where can we land and um and they're going through that we get about 13 miles away and 13 miles is the distance between two bodies of land up there. You have the icy strait that comes in from the ocean that leads all the way up into Juneau. And you have Gustavus on one side of this icy strait. And 13 miles across, you have Chichagoff Island, which is an unpopulated island. It's populated with grizzly bears. Oh, my gosh. Highest concentration of grizzly bears on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Great population, yeah. So seriously, great place to
0: go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with an unarmed uh, human being.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got both my arms. Yeah, by the way. but uh, we're about thirteen miles out, and and um, this conversation's been happening. The air traffic controller's having a heck of a time because our signal—they've changed it since two thousand three, by the way—but our signal is bouncing all over the place. So, one second we're here. 10 miles from where we're actually at next we're five miles from where we are the other other oh. direction sometimes we're in the right spot mm-hmm. and so we're descending and it, it, we're down to about 5,500 feet and it was totally cloudy conditions down mm-hmm. to about 4,000 feet that n- that night and they call that IFR so just instrument flying hey and, you, you, and, know, you, and, and you just said
0: something um as far as that night w- was it dark
1: Well, it wasn't dark. Sun was still up. This was in July. And so, you know, the sun stays up. We just were there. And, oh, my gosh, there were some days where the sun didn't set till, I don't know. Almost midnight. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. because
0: you're just so far north. Oh, yeah. yeah, Incredible.
1: mm -hmm. Yeah. So I say night. It was in the evening time-wise, but we still had light. we still lit. But these clouds, it was just gray. Yeah. That's all we could see and the uh, gary in, in talking to this guy says we're about to lose power in in the en- in one of the engines and and that's kind of a shocker again right i'd said my prayer so we're gonna make <laughs> it yeah but he said that and not too long after he said that the plane shuddered, and oh gosh looked out the window and the propeller slowly came to a stop. And that was terrifying. You know, you're sitting there like, this is really happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still got the other engine. And uh, about that time, air traffic controller comes onto the radio and he says, you have to pull up right now. You're about to hit Sisters, Sisters Island mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. a thing there we were just there something doesn't add up here with the air traffic controllers description because you're not seeing
0: that mass in front of you right
1: well we can't see anything oh, all we can gosh. see is great. you can't even see a foot oh you know that's how it, our conditions but sisters island is really like what did the it's maybe 20 feet above sea level it's not high hmm. we're at 5,500 feet. And this guy says, you're about to hit Sisters Island. And we tried to figure this out when we were up there. But anyway, we didn't know any of this. He just says, you're going to hit a mountain right now. You have to pull up. And Gary said, I can't pull up. We'll stall. We don't have the fuel to do that. And we don't have the power to do that. And he said, I'm just going to stay here at 5,500 feet. And it just went silent. And Mm. we're looking out into this gray void and all of us are just staring forward and nothing happens and nothing happens and I'm just waiting for that did Adam
0: get up off the floor and and see what's going on at this point or is he still sleeping still asleep oh my
1: gosh yeah and so we're just waiting for this green or this mountain to, to hit and it doesn't happen after a few tense moments there traffic controller comes back on and he says oh sorry you know you're you're not there that's not where you are you're okay you're not gonna hit anything we're like oh my gosh (laughs) you're just waiting for this impact yeah and so then it became more of a talk about where we were going to land and we were really near to an airstrip on huna island which is by chichigof island and uh, so that was a possibility, but the air traffic controller just really discouraged that, didn't want us to m- take that chance and then hit a tree and just be destroyed in the process. He, it, it, the way he kind of described it was like y- it would be a guaranteed thing. And again, don't really know that. We got some mixed feelings from Bush pilot we were with when we were up there. I, mm-hmm. know, I hope that's the right term. <laughs> don't want to <laughs> offend him. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the discussion was, we're flying right over this airport, but we can't land at this airport. Mm-hmm. Crazy. It right? is crazy. We're 13 miles from the airport oh. we're going to. on Gustavus, across this body of you'll water. Nev- and
0: you so you know, you'll never make it there. And you can't get down where you're at.
1: It's frustrating and scary. You say that with all the experience of life. I think back then I thought I didn't know how far we could get. Yeah, I, I yeah. think maybe I thought actually we could get across that. With and one you said engine. your prayers.
0: You thought maybe you could get there. Yeah, And so I thought
1: even we could maybe glide that far. I didn't, right, yeah. I didn't know. Um, but yeah, so we're descending down. The decision was made. That's not going to be a possibility. And about right then... We're came out. We're about to come out of the clouds at four thousand feet, and Gary said we're going to lose the second engine. And again, the plane shuddered, and I watched out that window as that propeller came to a stop, and the plane just went quiet, gliding at this point. Things really started setting in there, like what's going on. And Stephanie's brother was was looking at me, saying like, "What's happening?" what's happening and just kind of starting down that shock yeah yeah and I can't say I wasn't in shock either Uh, but we're listening to the conversation that he's having with the air traffic controller they're talking about all sorts of of things not a whole lot to talk about though in that situation yeah Um, and Gary just said at one point like we're gonna have to ditch the plane in the water and so the air traffic controller talking about the Coast Guard, everything else. And uh, right around then, Gary had been feathering the throttle and he said, I think I'm I'm gonna be able to get this engine started again. And so the engine on my side fired right back up. And what'd my mind say? See, you're okay. For sure. Yeah. We're yeah. going yeah. thirteen miles, we're gonna, we're gonna yep, land right we're gonna there. Make it. And it, it stayed on for about fifteen to thirty seconds and then it died. He said, "That's it. We're ditching in the water." Oh my gosh! And that's when I woke up, Adam. Hmm. So we're descending, no engines, and it's like, oh my gosh, we got to wake up, Adam. So we wake him up, and it's like a dream to him. What's going on? You've got to go back and sit down and put your seatbelt on. We're gonna crash in the water. And he just—I just bet he couldn't, couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Like a dream. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we got up dazed, went back sat down, and, you know, your mind does diff- uh, It goes into a different state at this point, um, kind of a protective state, and time starts to speed up, everything is going so fast, you know, we're at 4,000 feet descending, no engines, we're talking about crashing in the water, your mind's going a million miles a minute, and it just all of a sudden goes into this protective mode, mm-hmm. just silence. I look at Kyle, Kyle's holding a pillow. Gary had told us to pick up pillows if we had them for the impact, not to put our seatbelts on because they'll jam. Um, I was sitting next to the stairs and the door. And so he was telling me I'm I'm gonna have to open up that door, not the stairs, but the door so that we can get out of the plane after we land. And all this time I'm listening in this, kind of taking for granted that all this is gonna work out but we've talked to people since then, and it's not a gimme that you're going to land in the water without flipping the plane and killing everyone. Right. But I'm, I have full confidence in him, and, and so it's not even a question to me how it's going to go that way. But what's landing in the water look like anyway in the ocean? I'm terrified of the ocean. Yeah, like who, who do, are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's dark scary. Yes. Yeah. And then there's all sorts of irrational fears that come with the ocean like sharks yeah yeah and seaweed seriously that's super scary (laughs) it is super scary you laugh no i know what you mean yeah it's super terrifying yeah uh but all those all those fears get tucked away into a part of your brain Mm -hmm. and, and you're focused on what's really happening you're very present and uh so we're going down and gary Uh, tells me to flip up that that door door. and I just looked out it like shot up and I looked out over that water and I could see the sun on the water and just gray waves kind of transfixing just staring out there like I said I looked at Kyle and Kyle looked at his pillow and just kind of tossed it like what's a pillow gonna do right yeah and uh, it was just silence as we were going down and gary said we're about to you know land on the water and the air traffic controller said good luck coast guard's on its way they've been alerted they're on their way looked out came closer closer and just in an instant everything went black and i heard just the sound of a wave crashing i guess you could say a a loud whoosh no pain no anything else. really everything went black and I woke up in a totally different seat. I'd been pitched for it. I'd shot for it because we were going fast. Yeah, You you hit that water and come to a complete stop. Chris was gone when I woke up. Stephanie's brother that was sitting in front of me wasn't there. He was out of the plane? He was gone. And uh, I should be clear, I didn't remember any of this for actually quite a long time part of my memory came back, um, I think years later, really actually. Yeah. It just came back like out of a fog. It was so crazy. Mm. And, um, before I could remember being at the door to this plane, Yeah. that's where my memory started was blackness to me standing with my hands on the sides of this door, looking out 13 miles across, across the way. And I didn't really say this, but when we came out of the clouds, we couldn't see land. It was all water. Mm. I don't know why it took us so long to find land. Uh, Kyle had spotted it, finally. And um, we were about a mile and a half from shore. And so, but when we landed, I was looking out. And it was beautiful, but it was terrifying. It was so far. And Chris was in the water already, and Kyle was behind me. Now what I can remember is looking over my shoulder, Kyle grabbing my arm, saying we had to get out of the plane, pulling me up from Chris's seat. I must have flown over him and hit the cabin wall and landed in his in his lap, this poor kid. And not that I was much older, but he must have thought I'd, I died right there in his lap. And, and I think How old
0: were you then?
1: I was twenty, two, three. Okay, I was twenty-four.
2: <laughs>
1: twenty-four. I was yeah. twenty-four. I guess died. I can do that math in my head. <laughs> but yeah, I was twenty-four, and I I must have sent him into like a deeper state of shock. I can only imagine like what you would think if somebody's just laying on you. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And so he's not there. Kyle pulls me up. Air or Adam goes rushing past uh, in. You know, he'd been sitting on the toilet seat, which turned out to be the best seat because he had his back to a wall Mm -hmm. and he was totally unharmed and he was rushing up the aisle past me. Oh, yeah. Uh, So he rushed up the aisle past me and he uh, just was up there trying to get um, help because Gordy had been knocked unconscious or killed on impact. We don't know. But his seatbelt had jammed, which is why they tell you not to... Bucco yes. Your seat belt. Yeah, and so Gary was pilot. Your father's dad. Yeah, and he and Adam are trying desperately to get Gordy out of a plane that's filling up with water. There was about a foot of water at this point. Mm-hmm. So Kyle is leading me out in in that state that I can remember now, but I couldn't then. And I'm standing at the door, and the thought that comes to my mind is. This is really cold. So statistically, just to go to that side, what we were dealing with then, we were about a mile and a quarter to a mile and a half offshore. And the water was 46 degrees. Oh my Gosh, it's yeah. freezing cold. Yeah, it's really cold. Yes. And it's cold enough that when I jumped in, and I think when anyone jumped in to that, I just kind of went into the water. And I looked, and I saw the other shore... There's no Coast Guard anywhere. You know. You just know what your body is capable of, what the human body can For do. For sure. Yeah. And within you minutes that. you'd be hypothermic minutes. and and unable
0: yeah. to, to perform.
1: Yeah, the Coast Guard statistic is like uh fifteen minutes of consciousness and then you can survive a certain period of time alive unconscious if you have like a you know, a suit or something that you're floating in. Yeah, Stephanie said thirty minutes, and then it becomes more of like a recovery type situation. Mm-hmm. So we're in there. I'm wearing boots, aren't you? No, I'm not wearing boots. I was wearing flip flops. Okay, <laughs> so I'm barefoot in jeans and a t-shirt, and and you just know. So it's that pain. It's that oh instant. My uh, how long can I be in this? Not very long. Yeah. And Stephanie's brother is is in the water, and he's in complete shock at this point. And all he can do, all he could do, was just was just yell, you know. And he's out. He he had perched himself on a wing. Very surreal, if you think about it. Oh gosh we're yes. floating out in the ocean. He's perched up on this wing. And I go out in the water. Kyle comes behind me. And I swim over, and we're waiting for these these two brothers to come out and Stephanie's dad. And we wait, and we wait, and the plane's sinking down. And it gets to where the door is just about to go underwater all the way, which is toward the top of the fuselage. And Gary comes under the water, comes up, and he instantly has blood on his face. He's broken his nose for sure, other injuries, I can only guess. And we say, where's... Where's Gordy. Adam? Where's Gordy? And he says he says Adam would not leave his brother. I oh my get gosh! Him to leave his brother. And I swam over and I sat again surreal. I straddled this fuselage of this plane and I'm sitting astride a plane in the middle of the ocean waiting. And the lights are on and I'm watching as this plane falls beneath my my legs. Mm-hmm. And I watch it go down, down, down. And we were right on the edge of 600 feet of water. Mm. We were right on the edge of a drop-off, maybe 150 more feet, I don't know. But it 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 dropped off really deep. And I watched that till I couldn't see it go anymore. And I think that's one of the beautiful stories that we get to share. Not not beautiful in the sense of of the outcome, but that we got to take home to people and and say like this brother that was totally fine could have come out of the plane, chose to stay there with his brother and go down in this plane, like knowing he was going to die. That's incredible. Oh, it is absolutely incredible. incredible. I mean, he was a teenager, I think. Adam was maybe 19 and, and to do that. And so here we are in the water. I have what I thought were pretty extensive injuries. I thought I'd broken some ribs, thought I'd broken both my ankles. My eye almost instantly had swollen shut, so I didn't know what kind of damage was going on there.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I wasn't swimming very good. Oh, yeah, yeah. found out later that I'd had two vertebrae, (laughs) vertebrae, twisted 25 degrees in my neck. So pretty big yeah, impact I'd say it's that wall y- yes it happened fast enough I didn't even register it right so right so Kyle is there and Kyle instantly just takes off his shirt and his pants and he's in his underwear and his white underwear and yeah uh, yeah and I kind of start doing the same Gary and Chris Gary had swum over to Chris, and ironically, they were both floating on two bags. Well, there were two bags in the water, and each of them were floating on a bag. And they were Kyle and I's bags, which I don't really think is that important, but it's just interesting that it turned out to be our bags. So yeah, yeah. they're floating there, and something comes in my mind because – in that survival situation where you're swimming in water, your clothes are dragging you down. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the first thing I started to do. And I had my pants unbuttoned and just a voice came to me that said, ask Gary, if you should take your clothes off Weirdest situation ever. Like, right. Of course you do. And you're not going to ask anyone. You're just going to do it. Yeah. But I said, Gary, should I take my clothes off? And he said, no, which is totally the opposite of what people would tell you to do. Well, I, Pulled my pants back up and I buttoned them up. I was like, okay, I didn't even think about it, really. And we talked about staying together and trying to swim to shore together. Now, shore, mile and a half away. Starting to get dark at this point. Mm -hmm. It's later in the day. And, you know, it's light enough that we can pick out some things to swim toward. Like there was a big white beach log on the shore that I could make out, there was a cut in the pine trees and the moon was starting to come up there. So I had these, these things to look at, these visuals. And then there was a boat anchored about a mile away. So we had a decision to make. Do we swim a mile and a half to land or the shorter distance to this huge fishing vessel, at least in my mind it was huge, that's anchored about a mile away and no one's coming. there's no sound of a boat a helicopter no coast
0: guard planes nothing
1: right and it turned out that they had dispatched like a navy plane with a bunch of divers but the conditions were so bad visually that they couldn't they just couldn't find us number one yeah but the conditions were too risky for those divers and the planes so we were alone and that was very sobering because Again, with the water temperature and looking at those distances, and we decided to go to shore because that's the sure thing. We get to the boat, how, like there's no guarantee there.
0: For sure. And Or
1: whether or not you could even get up into it. Yeah, how are you going to get up into it? Yeah. Is, is it? Are there people on the boat? Who knows? Yeah. And so it's sobering because you know that it's not possible. No.
0: Body was probably going to shut down before Absolutely. you even get close. Mm-hmm. And I'm injured.
1: So yeah. it's, it's just impossible but in that moment the the decision i made was i was going to try which turned out to be key right obviously yeah because to sit there and not try would mean certain death to make that decision to put everything into it is a key component to what came next so we start swimming we're trying to stay together becomes very clear very quickly that Kyle is a good swimmer and is in good shape. I am not in good shape and I'm not a good swimmer. And Gary and Chris aren't swimming at all because uh, Chris is in shock. Stephanie's dad was incredibly fit. He humbled me many times on hikes. Mm -hmm. Very humbling to have your (laughs) father-in-law Like running up a trail and you come huffing and puffing behind minutes later. Very humbly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something to be proud of. <laughs> <That's>, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so he could have, he could have left. And he, uh, it's not that surprising, I guess, to say that he stayed with his son. He couldn't swim. And the discussion was... So did the two of
0: them stay right there at the crash site and not try and swim and keep up with you guys? They just stayed right there.
1: They were trying. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I would say it was more like Gary was trying to pull Chris. Yeah. Because Chris was so deeply in shock, and he'd say things like, Chris, pretend we're at Lake Powell. He went to Lake Powell a lot, and Yeah, he'd just been. And, and so he's saying, like, just swim, just try. And so we would talk back and forth as we started separating, which naturally just happened because the state we were all in right and it was it was gary saying kyle and ben you guys swim you can make it you can do this and it was us saying back like you need to swim too like come yeah come come with with us." us come on and he said chris can't swim like he's just doggy paddling like he's just treading water essentially yeah and, oh. and so he was just encouraging us to go, kind of giving that, that permission. Save you and lives. as I talk about this, you know, I think what you're hearing here is, is something that I haven't really thought about for a long time, which is that decision to separate. Yeah. You know, and, and because you want to save everyone. Mm-hmm want everyone to make it but just looking back that's yeah that's hard to think about so we start separating and the swim is going on and for me it was a literal plea to god for help every stroke of my swim was a cry out to god i'd say oh god oh god oh god just hoping you know he would hear me and I didn't really hear much from the other two parties I was so focused probably on my swim Kyle had you know we both have done a lot of public speaking um, to different groups but his story is a little different you know he he has his own story which is similar but different and for me I was in the middle of these two people and As we spread out more and more, and as time went on, and we're yelling back and forth, that became less frequent. And then visually, things started to get a little harder to see because the distance between us and the light going, it's still light, light enough to see. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, for me, I was so injured and so focused on that. I think there's a life lesson here, too, (laughs) that I could, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about, but... I was so hey, focused life on myself. Hey, life lessons are worth talking about. You,
0: t- you, you talk all you want to. You tell me this well, life lesson.
1: It just came to me just now. You know, it reminds me of something that someone I respect so much said in a talk that they gave, uh, Neil A. Maxwell, mm-hmm. about consecration. And he just said that we can get so focused on our own, our own temperature that we start to ignore the fevers of the people around us. You know, we become so consumed with self and this is different, obviously. This is a survival situation. What had to happen, happened there. But yeah, it just made me think about now, the present, and how we get wrapped up in our own self. And these other people are just floundering and struggling and so desperate for our help. And we're focused on ourselves.
0: But it's just a matter of survival. You know, you're just human survival. God gave us that. That desire, natural ability to that drive to save yourself. And let's say it's your time to come home and it's my decision to bring you there, you have to do everything you can to stay alive.
1: In the physical sense, yes. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. In the yes. spiritual sense, not so much. Right. We kind of need each other and we need you Absolutely you know, do. We, we have to look outside ourselves to really save ourselves. Right. True yeah, so I was just thinking about that. But in this physical state, you know we're separated and I'm so focused on my injuries, and it, and part of it is because I'm barely able to swim forward. And the hypothermia is setting in. I'm getting weaker and weaker and slower and slower. And to compound it, when I get tired and I flip on my back, I swim for a while that way, and I turn over and I realize, Half the time I'm swimming, I'm swimming back out. Oh no. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. You're and going I would the just
1: cry out just in desperation and and flip back over and start swimming back in. Stephanie, I'm gonna uh. throw this out for you right now. Some statistics from that <laughs> night. Because I always <laughs> forget this stuff and it just came to me and I'm like, I need to say this. Five mile an hour cross current that was going out to sea and 20 foot tide going out that's that's, that's like a river I'm, running by it's a river running yeah we're we're fighting a river right and true and i'm injured and i'm swimming backward half the time so just to put this all in perspective everything is working that way yep and we're not moving
3: not to mention back then the jean style was like really big and baggy and wide legged, And so, I mean, those jeans will drag you down. I bet they right? were super it's heavy. Not
1: like skinny jeans, Right. No, no. <laughs> yeah. It feels like she was making fun of my, <laughs> my wardrobe.
0: Hey, you know what? Those are coming back, buddy. Th- those are, <laughs> uh, they're making a comeback. So yeah.
1: unfortunate. Yeah. Big baggy jeans, too small a t-shirt. Yeah. That was yeah. the style back then. Yeah. But yeah, everything's working opposite, right? The temperature, right. the direction of water, and a river, a yep, literal the river cr- going n- out. Yes. And we went back and had that those kind of things confirmed from people. People just don't survive. It's it's up there, they're flying planes like we drive cars. So they're sure. more frequent you know, there are plane crashes up there. Yep. And people don't survive because of the conditions, the cold. The clothing, um, the river, going out to sea—different factors. Mm-hmm. This last trip, we learned about another danger. Uh, a guy told us about some fishermen that had, or was it a boat or a plane? But they had capsized or, or crashed about a hundred uh, feet. I think he said offshore, and they got off, and they didn't make it in hundred feet. <laughs> yeah and and we heard we've heard lots of stories like that from people because most people know someone that's died yeah and so if you talk to anyone up there they have a story of losing a friend um
0: well and you know what ben uh, i i heard um when i when i was reading about your story um you know the coast guard i think the books just say uh to just kind of go into a ball and try and just stay in one spot and until rescue until somebody comes and gets you because if you try and swim you'll burn up so much energy and risk of cramping and everything there's there's not a chance but huh. y- you know you guys just say you had to go man you, you had to just had try to. and get to shore you have to swim and you had a mile and a half to yeah. go a- a- against these currents and everything it is absolutely astronomical odds against you astronomical
1: <laughs> and and to be in the water and look a mile and a half I like, it's hard for me to visualize even a mile and a half right now as we're sitting here. Yeah. But if I looked a mile and a half, I I wouldn't even imagine being able to run that. Uh, I have a lot of runner friends. I hope they (laughs) aren't listening to this. Well, I hope they are, Bob. Sorry. (laughs) But uh, yeah, for me, and, and when you're in the water at water level, in those conditions looking that far, yeah, there's not even a question of what the outcome is going to be. For sure.
0: You just thought, we're going to do our best, but we're going to die Yeah, with everyone else.
1: Right. So that's what's going on. We're about halfway through uh, the swim, and these swells kind of come up, uh, bigger waves. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. And I go, I'm on my back, and these waves start washing over me and pushing me down. And I'm swollen so much seawater. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna drown. And I'm fighting my way back up. And I finally make it up. The waves pass by. I look to see how Gary and Chris fare, and they're gone. They're not there.
0: They're not there at all.
1: And I, I looked and I looked because it had become harder to pick them out. Yeah. As it was, they were so far behind. But I don't see them, and I call out, and they don't answer, and I realize that. They're gone. And what did that feel like, Ben, in that moment? Well, I think it's more, that's a better question to ask me now than then, I would say, because I've thought about it more, because I've experienced more in life now of what it's like to be alone. Um, In that moment, I felt alone in a different way. Uh, But your mind is just in this state of protection. That's all I can think is irrational fears or things that aren't instantly relevant to the situation you're in. Those are just locked away. Uh, At one point in the swim, the word shark came to my mind, another fear. Oh yeah. And I laughed out loud because it was so not even close to the biggest deal going on right <laughs> right
0: right like didn't don't worry about happen. that we got other bigger worries yeah yeah mm. and
1: and so they were gone but I barely have time to think about that because my plight is taking its own downhill turn the timing is about the same right Chris I imagine this in my mind how that happened like now that I'm a father and I have an 18 year old and and we've experienced this this year. He was diagnosed with cancer in February. Oh, no, a rare cancer that we found out later would be fatal. And I've never felt I've felt out of control personally. Yeah. But I've never felt so helpless like looking at a son and just saying, I can't can't fix this one, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that was a tough three days. It would have taken me a lot longer before, but the last three years have been transformational for me spiritually, and just learning to submit to God. But in that moment, I had to learn again. And it took me three days to get to that point of submission there. And I just wanted to fight it. And I did everything I could. I set every appointment, everything else, as fast as I could. I begged for hospital time, for scans, and people gave it. It was beautiful, but it was hard. And at the end of those three days, I received a beautiful experience. We'd asked people to fast and to pray and we received a miracle and easton's cancer was turned into something else and it was incredible you know that submission and turning over and saying hey i need help like really bad here and i know this is a total diversion from the story but i bring it up because that's relative though yeah the feelings i have now relate to that I'm in that water, now mm-hmm. with Easton, mm-hmm. and Easton is Chris, and I'm Gary, and Chris is hypothermic, and he starts to slip under the water. and and all I can do is dive down and pull him up and just try to hold him up, for sure. and then he goes under again and again and I do it until I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And we're both just down, you know, and don't come up. And I understand the love required in that situation now, like what that means and why, you know, it's the right thing to do to stay with someone. But now I have that empathy for Gary in that situation. Just another <laughs> beautiful story that we were able to bring home of just sacrifice, personal sacrifice, not even trying to save yourself, but staying in that moment with that person that needs you and and giving <coughs> your life for that person.
0: Ben, did you have um, some survivor guilt? You know, I was worried about through? that.
1: That was a fear. That was probably the biggest fear I took home. You know, I, I, I relate it in terms, I'm skipping ahead here, but when you come home from a mission, an LDS mission, for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, you go out for two years, leave your family, and, and it's odd because you don't talk much. Now they do, but back then they didn't, and so you kind of get this, <coughs> I don't know, you're strangers in a way, and there's this anxiety associated with coming home and seeing people you get really nervous, and this dwarfed that, and I think it was that. yeah for sure it was that and that's why i got emotional before was thinking about how i wish i could have saved everyone yeah but i didn't have that ability and and i'll share that story at the end but but yeah for sure that was a concern and it got squashed really fast by an awesome person so who (laughs) what happened the the father of the two boys that were on the plane that went down. Yes. And his his name's Gordon too. And I, he got me in a big old bear hug at the airport. I had a boot on and a neck brace and seaweed in my hair, <laughs> literally. And I said, I just start I broke down to start bawling and I said, I'm so sorry that I, I couldn't save your sons. Uh-huh. And he kind of pushed me back a little bit and looked me in the eyes and he said, don't you ever say that again? Don't you ever say that again? And he said a little bit more, but yeah, we never got that from other people. I know it was hard for everyone, but you know, at this point we're talking four people have died and, and Kyle and I are, are still there. And going home to that, you you know that there are people that were probably hoping maybe it wasn't Kyle and Ben coming off the plane. I hate to say it like that. No, you know,
0: n- you know what? The d- yeah, d- bring this all up because this is such a raw, real story. And yeah. and um, I, I mean, I'm growing from this and need to understand, you know, that as best you can tell us. What it's like in this situation, uh, all the raw emotions, because d- yeah. I can only I can just see myself being at the airport, having a loved one on the plane. And you look for the one you really, really want to see come off the plane. You see other people coming you're like what? Oh,
2: and and, and it's only
0: human that you'd like, gosh almighty. I was I was hoping it was m- my closer loved one than the ones that have shown. And and, it, and it's real. That just just happened with you. Yeah. So
1: it's real and and I understand it and I've felt that to a degree at, at times where uh, maybe a fear was being realized or something else like you're waiting for your kid to come walking home they don't show up oh it's like where's my kid just like
0: these sh- shootings in schools and stuff I bet the moms that rush up they're looking for their oh kids, they're sick and right? they and they see yeah. a- these other kids where's mine
1: yeah <coughs> just yeah. paralyzing and and so in this case it was known It was us, but the waiting, even before we came home, you know, there was a relay of information going through a family member of mine that was uh, was working for the government and was picking up all the transmissions and sharing them real time with family members. And there was a point where it was like, there's, you know, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but... (laughs) anyway but to hear there's a survivor at the very least yeah would be who is it right well we don't know we just know there's a survivor and i can't imagine the burden that would just be there until it's lifted like of i would be crushed by that knowledge and not knowing who it is for sure a dad a brother a husband like a son who are you hoping for yeah well Anyway, so yeah, those those are all real emotions, real things that you have to learn to navigate. Uh, but like I said earlier, g- generally people are good. And and I think most of us are in a position that we would recognize grief as the source of any comment that would come out. Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't you do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. There'd be a recognition of grief, grief there at least for me and I think most people. Some some patience there, sure. time given, but yeah. And and uh,
0: I have a question for you.
1: Yeah. Did you feel? Did you feel the closeness of God in that water? Yes. So I talk about irrational fears being tucked away. And the real fears start to surface the real important things. So being a spiritual person, I don't give myself enough credit for that back then, but I you know I had faith that there's more to this life beyond this life. Mm-hmm. There's more and that we will go home. And so for me I'm thinking where where is home for me? What's that reunion going to be like? And, and, and I think I, I am pretty hard on myself. And so that was a fear, a real fear that I had. Like, man, I'm not ready. And I'm not ready to not spend time with Stephanie and have kids together and all these things, you know, yeah. you're just doing that, all that's running through your head. And so I'm swimming having this conversation with God, crying out to him for help. But there's this other conversation going on, which is. Let's make a deal. (laughs) It's it's let's uh, let's talk about this. Like if you'll do this for me, you know, if you'll let me survive here, I will never do anything wrong ever again (laughs) in so Mm. many words, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll never do this. I will never do this. I will only do this and then at the end i'll be translated because i'll be perfect right yeah but, but i can tell you in that moment i meant every word of it and he knew i meant every word of it and so yes in that sense there is that connection because that's all there is mm-hmm. I kyle mm-hmm. had gone so far ahead at this point and i'd heard him cry out and i thought he, that was when he'd gotten hypothermic and slipped under the water himself. Oh! So I thought it was just me at this point. You know, and I'm still looking at uh, who knows how far. And, and I'm waiting for my moment, and my moment's quickly coming, and I can feel it. My legs are st- starting t- to go under me, they're lead. Oh. And then they stop working, and they're hanging down below me. And you're just mm-hmm. using your arms. And my arms are starting to get weak. Oh my gosh. And so I flip over onto my back, and this is where it all comes into this moment. And and I say, this is it. You know, I've given everything that I have. I'm afraid of what's next. I, I like, I want to stay. I want to change. I want to do better. I want to spend time here with Stephanie and my family. I don't have kids at this point. I want to have kids. Like can you help me I believe like that you can help me can you help me and I said that in a prayer and I opened my eyes and on my back laying there and I don't know what's next I wait for I'm like is it gonna be this tunnel of light is it gonna be an ancestor is it Come gonna get be you? a hand reaching out and pulling me out of the water and, and bringing me home And I wait, and nothing happens. And so this is where kind of the faith moment happens of, okay, so if I flip back over right now, am I just going to die a slow death of hypothermia, or is this the answer to my prayers? And so I flip back over, and I have the full use of my body back. Oh my gosh. Hypothermia is gone. And I have all the energy in the world. Wow. And you know, that's a miracle. It is. It's impossible. It's irrational. Uh le- when we were up there last time and I'm and we're looking at that distance and we're talking to this fisherman that's a man of faith, he looks at me and he says, You know, no one w- would believe you. And I'm like, What? And he says, Yeah anyone here looking out at that no one would believe you that you made it that far swimming would not think you're telling the truth mm-hmm. they would think you had to help yeah they think that just, we were like we're either not telling the truth or or you crash way
0: closer or
1: way closer or something right yeah yeah and so you know it's it's hard to really describe to people without the coldness of the water and everything to say how amazing this this moment was of just my desire and God's will meeting in that moment. Here I am. I am just a normal person, like in my mind, less than a normal person, a very small person in a vast ocean of water. And my problem, you know, comparatively could be viewed as like, I know there are a lot of people in the world right now that would like to die because their situation is just so horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And comparatively, mine seems more simple. And and so to me, I look at that moment and I say there is someone that loves you so much and he knows you and he's willing to help you and wants to help you. Wants to be in that situation for you to ask for that help. And there have been times in my life where the help has been there, whether I wanted it or not. Mm -hmm. And that's how much, that's how much love there is. But in this moment, I put the swim in, I gave everything I had, the desire was there and I got the use of my body back and I was able to swim forward and swim, uh, kept swimming. Your mind's still in that survival mode of go, 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 go. And I get, I'm getting closer to shore. Again, another miracle. I'm still on course instead of being swept out to sea.
0: For sure. With that current while you're laying there on your
1: back, you could have
0: been totally 100 more yards out.
1: Absolutely. I could have, yeah. And so I'm getting closer, and my hands come into this kelp. And it is thick, and it is terrifying. Oh. We went back. (laughs) I keep saying we went back up. Scary. I took pictures of it. And out of all the things that we took pictures of up there. That's what I look like, look at, and still brings up kind of like a, that's really intimidating. It was about a 100. Well, not a 100 yard, but maybe like, it was a few hundred feet of kelp, at least a couple hundred feet of kelp, it seemed like, I don't know exactly. And it was so thick, it looks like, (laughs) I don't know. Oh, it's crazy. And so we hit this kelp field, or I hit this kelp field, and that's where Kyle had cried out. Is when he'd hit that kelp. Oh, field. really? And for him, that kelp had wrapped around oh. his neck, and he had claw marks on his neck. From peeling it off. From just ripping and panicking because it pulls you down. The oh story gosh. I was talking about, the 100 feet offshore,
2: Yeah, he yeah.
1: died in kelp. Oh. He couldn't make it through the kelp, and this was the thickest kelp we saw anywhere. And so uh, when we went back up, so I hit this kelp and I, I rolled over and I didn't even move and I was pushed through the kelp. And just another beautiful moment in this miracle for me of just being pushed over through this kelp that would have pulled me under in that weakened state after, you know, a mile and a quarter, mile and a half whatever people want to say it is and
0: could you just feel that Ben could you feel I could the, the was pressure on your body of pushing you through there
1: I did like and and I felt the pressure of the kelp underneath me sliding my and gosh it's it incredible and and uh, when it disappeared when it was gone I flipped back over and you swam and I looked and there there was Kyle and he was on the he shore was. He was on the shore and the shore was there and I could see him and I called out to him and he called out to me and it just went back and forth in our frozen state, Kyle, Ben, Kyle, Ben, you know, and our voices are shaking because we're so cold and and, uh, he's just kind of crouched up there on these rocks and again, your mind is in this incredible state of just focus for me to you. I'm going to die. That's what my mind is saying like until I get to you and I'm out of this, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That sounds pretty bad when I say it like that, but yeah. And so that incredible moment when my hand touched the rock is kind of an indescribable feeling. Oh. And and then to just pull myself further out and to stand up on this rocky shore (laughs) and have i i survived i like made it you know with the help of god not on my own but with my own will to survive and my desire beyond what the human body is capable of Mm -hmm. absolutely i'm standing on this shore with kyle and then I collapse. Everything that I've been given is just absolutely. Sorry, I have an alarm keep going. Uh, everything that I've been given is just totally taken from me, and I collapse on the shore. Oh, nothing left. Nothing. You're gassed. The you extra done. that I was given that didn't mm-hmm. belong there was removed. It, it's beyond gassed because gassed happened a long time ago. Yeah. My body's limits were reached way way back in the water and what propelled me forward was something given it was taken and I had nothing and I collapsed on the edge of the water there with Kyle perched on a rock up above me did he come
0: down to you then or he was pretty stuck
1: well he He was mobile yeah his feet were all cut up because he'd been running around on the rocks Um, he was severely hypothermic at that point. I don't know how long he'd been on shore before I got there. Uh, and, and the water exposure actually is greater than the air exposure as far as hypothermia goes. Water pulls it out faster, but he, he was there. He's probably
0: watching you come to shore and just probably, could he see you?
1: Maybe at that point he could, and I'm calling to him. I'm sure he was looking out. But in that state, in that moment, he was severely hypothermic. Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't, uh, his, his mind wasn't working right. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we'd been in the water at this point, Bob, over an hour and a half.
0: (laughs) Where you'd normally dine 15 minutes in that frigid water.
1: And, and uh, so over an hour and a half in the water. So Kyle is there and he, he's just kind of looking at me and I'm like, Kyle, like, come down, come down. And, and he is saying, it hurts so bad. And here's someone that's just survived the swim, had a similar experience with the same miracle given to him. Mm -hmm. And here's another miracle. We're both on shore at the same point with all those forces acting against us. Yeah. We are at the same point together. To be able to be together but he is so hypothermic that he wants to leave like he's just like it hurts so bad it hurts so bad and after uh, what seemed like forever to me but probably wasn't that long I was able to you know we were able to get together and he came and he laid by me and we probably laid there it's hard to say maybe an hour Mm -hmm. before um we stopped shaking so uncontrollably to where we could make a decision which was we've got to get away from the water tides out gonna come in we got to get up into these trees and there was just a perfect pathway up it's really rocky really rugged and the way we walked it went this summer and it was just like perfect for me, where I could barely walk with my ankles, and both of us barefoot, we find this cutout, we have a picture taken of Easton in kind of crouch there, we found the cutout that Kyle and I laid in, and it was like it had been sculpted for us. We laid in that, and it started to rain, temperature outside was about the same, the Uh, like a fog rolled in so it was raining it was foggy we didn't have any visibility at that point we did when we were swimming which was awesome because we could see land
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: and we just spent that night in that ditch laying on top of each other and the person on top would be so exposed that they would be shaking uncontrollably from the hypothermia to the point where it was so painful and so it, like so you couldn't just tolerate. you couldn't tolerate it anymore and so we'd have to flip and the person down below would have just gotten to the point where they weren't shaking anymore and it would just start that cycle over he, he'd be shaking or I'd be shaking uncontrollably till it was time to switch mm. and we just kept each other awake because we knew yeah you'd go to sleepy you mate, right die. and we talked about you know, we'd hear some noises and we would cry out hoping somehow someone had survived, even though, you know, for sure. And we talked about building a shelter. We talked about we had no idea where we were. It, all we saw was vast wilderness, nothing yeah. other than that boat to say yeah, that there was yeah. any humanity anywhere near us. We talked about finding edible plants and berries. I brought that up and Kyle got really excited like oh thank goodness and I was like I don't know I don't know the edible oh yeah yeah and so we're just in this helpless state and then to find out later that the island is completely populated by grizzly bears we didn't know that then but you don't even care once again we talked about that actually on the island and said like is that a bear and it's just like who cares who cares yeah like, Honestly, if a bear, if it's a bear, it's a bear at this point. Yeah. After yeah. what we've been through and, and the people we've lost, you know, and that hurts. Like, oh my your brain yes. starting to wake up a little bit now at this point to some of those other emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say emotions, and I don't know if any of your other guests have talked about this, there is a unique emotion that maybe you felt too that comes with knowing that you're going to die have you felt that no not not the no mine um
0: in my experiences i i haven't had that um other than just in the river where i almost drowned i thought there was a really really good chance that this is going. the others were such sudden impact type you didn't have time. but the w- one thing reflecting back in the river where i really thought this is it um it, it was just almost like a A submittance like like you just you're done you do everything you can to fight and um, and then there's almost like a calm you know for for me but terrible yeah I don't know it's it's hard because your emotions go back and forth you're so terrified and you don't want to die in this brown water and and breathe that in and just be gone but I don't know how did you how did you feel like when you were in that point
1: I can't remember anymore yeah. I could feel it for a few months afterward, yep. like on a ski lift looking down. Yeah. In a movie where someone was facing a certain death kind of situation, this emotion would flood over me, this feeling. And I can't I can't feel it anymore.
0: But you know what, Ben? Um w- the guest that you led me to, Lori Higby, yeah, when she was out in that water freezing cold, much like your case, yeah. she fought so hard and but her life jacket became saturated and was pulling her down yeah. and and sh- she didn't know that and she didn't realize something felt like it was tugging her from underneath pulling her down into the darkness and it was just horrible and she said this is it you know if 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 I can't get any more help from you god i i guess this is how you want me to come home and she just kind of put her face in the water and that was it and then she uh, was able to be like woken and moving and, and oh it's just it's yeah amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'll I'll ask I need to ask her about that. That's just an interesting thing. There are these emotions that you only experience in certain ways. Yeah. And I'm glad I don't remember it. Oh. It was a weird feeling, you know, not a For good sure. feeling. Well, anyway, my brain started wake up and you start processing like I've lost friends, I've mm-hmm. lost family. And, and so, you know, that's how we spent the night. It was just kind of like that. There were some lighthearted moments and <laughs> Kyle and I don't remember this the same. So Kyle, if you hear this, just, I'm, I'm fully open that it might've been me that said this, that if you go to the bathroom, it like can help increase your body heat, like between the two of you.
0: Oh yes. Uh, that's true. in Navy SEAL training.
1: Yeah. And it's gross. So. This is how I remember it. Kyle saying that, and I'm like, "No, man, I'll get up, and you can. Get it. We'll just we'll just be cold for a while." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> That's let's, how let's I not do it. that. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but maybe it was me. Uh, we were both hypothermic, so who knows? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he's really. Oh, I'm trying to think how I
0: thought about that moment. Yeah. So, so you know what? Did you feel um, the presence of your loved ones around you at all? after while you were on the beach or any time after have you felt them around
1: oh since then yes absolutely and we've considered like the kelp when i talk about the kelp now i'm like well certainly people were allowed to help me you know like maybe it was some of the people from the plane yeah that helped me through that swim that would make sense to me it would you know (laughs) to help them through their part of that on the other side that that grief and being able to help us, mm-hmm. where you know it's not their time. let me help. You guys can help them and help them live. And I know that would probably evoke some mixed feelings with people, but yeah, I, I think that, and then we've done some firesides. Uh, we did a steak fireside in oh it was it was like, honestly, it was such a sacred, sacred experience for us. It was last year. Was it this year or last year? <laughs> it was last year. And, yeah, we felt them there. And it was beautiful. Mm. And and I felt helped as I spoke. And it was just a beautiful experience. Th- the first one our kids had ever come to. Because I don't seek people out. Like, I'm not a public yeah. speaker. Yeah. And, and I get asked and I say yes. I'll always say yes. Because I want to share this message that Heavenly Father is there and that he loves each of us regardless of where we think we're at or how we feel about ourselves. He knows who we are. There's no doubt in his mind what he's willing to do and how much he loves us. I want to share that message. And and so it was was just like it just happened that they came and they felt it. And we recorded that, them talking about us so such a blessing for us. That one was for us. <laughs> oh. You know, most of the time there's someone that comes up after and you feel like okay. You know, it's just for one. If it's just for one, if it's just for me, you know, it's it's good. Yeah, but that one was definitely for us. It felt like it was really cool. And then when we went up on the boat this summer and we were there on the anniversary of the plane crash, Stephanie and I were of looking at each other like why why aren't we just falling apart right now i built this up in my mind for months of like we're going and i'm gonna be there and i'm just gonna be a wreck and and i wasn't and i was looking at her and she wasn't and we talked about it and it was because we both were so grateful like we're looking at each other i'm looking at stephanie there and my kids there and it was just this beautiful moment of, it's okay to be happy that you have this. Like, I felt grateful. I felt gratitude and hope. And I felt their presence there with us. They knew we were there. And I felt Heavenly Father's presence there with us. The Spirit was there. And it, it turned out to be this really healing moment instead of, of this dramatic. Yeah. yeah.
0: Who, who um, all went on this... Um, trip up there on the anniversary it's the 20th year anniversary of the event
1: yes so it was just us it was just our little family we drove up that's a road trip by the way if you ever want to drive there yeah (laughs) that is a grind of a drive oh my gosh
0: (laughs) how long were you gone how long did that take i remember trying to get you at that time and you were gone a long time yes that's why i say our
3: kids are very patient with us it took their whole summer and they were okay with it.
0: That's it w- w- so what did your kids think when they relived this, saw the place where their dad and, and, and loved ones that, that were gone before they even were born? Um, what was their experience? What was their emotion and reaction to this?
3: So they were very reverent and I think curious. Like we got off the boat and walked around on the rocks and saw where he laid. And um, – it wasn't till the next day after after all of it had happened and we were back in Juneau that we we were going to bed and we asked them what were their takeaways and um, they kind of surprised us like they were more thoughtful than I had realized at the time Mm. and our two teenage boys had jumped in the water they had they wore their swimsuits on purpose to to jump in and that was one of the moments at the time they didn't say much. They were just like, <gasps> and you know, yeah, there weren't a lot of words spoken, you know, um, and they quickly got dressed, but it was after where they said, dad, that was a miracle because we jumped in and we couldn't stand it for more than a second. And I knew there, they said this, there is no way there's no way. Like they felt it for two seconds. <laughs> and yeah. They knew. So that was pretty cool. Yes, that recognition of a miracle.
0: That's so cool. How so? Take me back to the uh, time when you guys were laying there on the shore. How in the world did you get rescued?
1: Oh, I love this part. How could you not love this part? Honestly, the rescue. So we stayed the night there, and we started hearing sounds as it got into that pre-dawn. Yeah, you'd hear boats and helicopter. And in that state of mind, we're yelling out. <laughs> These are probably 15 miles away or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And we're yelling out like, we're over here, you know. And the, as day came on, the mist started to part. And we were able to get up and um, started wanting to get dry. You know, Kyle went down to the water, the tide was out pretty far and he went down to the edge and I couldn't move so I just stayed perched up on a you know a ledge there and we decided to say prayer and ask for help and prayed that we dry out because we were just as wet as when we got out of the water it felt like mm. it hadn't gotten warm we just wanted to be warm and we wanted to be saved and so I said the prayer and the second I said amen we heard the thumping of chopper blades coming toward us. And this Coast Guard helicopter flew out, came right to the crash site, right off of Eagle Point, which was where we swam to, right to Eagle Point on Chichikov Island. And it shined its spotlight right in our faces. And we're jumping up and going crazy and waving our arms around and then that helicopter turned around and it went back to the other shore. No,
0: it didn't see you. <laughs> it didn't It's see light us. was right
1: in your face and it t- didn't see you. Yeah, just like when you have a, sh- a spotlight shining in oh your face. Oh, my gosh. And so it went back and we just both collapsed and started crying. You know, just everything taking out that hope that you felt. Yes, that sort of hope. yes. And so we started talking. Kyle thought he saw a mast of a ship down. It could have been a dead <laughs> I didn't want him to leave you yeah. want to go check it out and and I'm like totally unable to walk so I I'm, I'm trying to get him to stay
0: plus there's bears <laughs> out there well, Hello. I
1: mean, we, we didn't know any of that yeah. right? we were ignorant uh, as we're having this discussion a boat comes by probably about five miles out across the strait but it's the closest thing to rescue that's around so we're jumping up and down going crazy a huge fish fishing boat under power. No way they can hear us. No, <laughs> Five miles no. away. So it passes by. doesn't stop us from being devastated. We both cry again and collapse and get up. Another boat comes by and the same thing. And so Kyle is talking about, well, then another boat came. and And I might have that mixed up a little bit, but I remember Kyle wanting, you know, talking about going down to check out, this, the potential of that being a boat again and finding people, which wasn't a bad idea. But this third boat came by. And it was the closest one yet, it was still miles out. Mm-hmm. But we started jumping up and down. And the, the sun was out, by the way, which is rare, we found out. And, and this boat looks like it turns and goes to the other side. Toward the other side of the strait, and so w- we're just both devastated again, and so Kyle's ready to go, and I and I say no, let's let's keep waving our arms, and so he did because he was way more visible, wearing all white,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I'm up in the trees, so really if somebody's looking, they're looking for him, and so he's waving and we're both waving, jumping up and down, and this this boat blows its horn is that what they call it on a boat <laughs> horn yeah, it's big yeah. yeah big horn yeah and we still think it's going the other way but we just keep waving and we're crying you know and blows its horn again blows its horn again and then we start to realize that the boat's actually coming your coming way coming toward us oh my gosh and and it's it's coming i don't remember I know how long because we've been there now and coming in on the boat we've done it two times actually once for a couple of weeks after we went back to look and see if we could find anything but it it's, takes a while to get go that far on a boat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but to me it was so fast and we are just waving and screaming at the top of our lungs the whole time all these miles
0: oh, <laughs> oh my gosh
1: and it gets to the edge of this kelp field, and he's like squeezing in there as far as he can, and we are still yelling and jumping up and down. And, f- and finally, you know, this guy comes out, and he says, he says, I see you. I see you. And it was just the most, like, incredible feeling. You know, after all this devastation, and losing all these people this this is like a different feeling a different emotion like the most incredible emotion and I've felt it since then and it's so incredible and when we talk about this you know to the youth or young adults or adults or whoever it is one day we are gonna all be in this need right and you are gonna feel so exposed and so lost and so in need of rescue. And there is gonna be someone there and he's gonna look look at you. And he's gonna say, I see you, Bob. I see you, Stephanie. I see you, Ben. And he's gonna take us in his arms like those fishermen did with me. And take us to safety if we we'll let him. And these beautiful men, that were not beautiful men. <laughs> <laughs> Furbies, furry, hairy guys. <laughs> Stinky, <laughs> Probably I don't know, I don't even <laughs> remember anymore. Oh, they were the most beautiful be- things I'd ever seen. I bet. They oh. came in on a little inflatable and they gave us the coats off their backs, the boots off their feet. Oh. Well, maybe not off their feet, but they gave us boots, somebody's boots. Yeah. And they brought us water, and they called the Coast Guard helicopter, and they listened to us tell the story of the Coast Guard helicopter, and they got mad, like, what? Where have they been? (laughs) They they didn't see you, and they flew away. And so Coast Guard helicopter lands, and these guys were so awesome I couldn't walk. And so Kyle's walking over and the coast guard guys come over to get firemen carry me over to the helicopter over in this flat and the fishermen are like, no, we're carrying him. Really? And so, yeah. So this guy, this coast guard guy that was awesome, shows him how to do a fireman carry. And so they try and carry me and, it just, it's different. It wasn't working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: the, they get a certain way. And the first guy was so disappointed he had to give up his spot to one of the guys. And then the other guy. and and uh, But it was just cool. They were so there, you know, for us. And we said goodbye to them. We got in the helicopter. And, and everything just kind of turned into a blur from there. Mm-hmm. Then other thoughts start rolling in of, like, what the future looks like. Of this reunion with people and the anticipation of that, the an anxiety surrounding that, and and then how are you going to tell him before you even get there? Because certainly you're going to call home. So we fly back, um, and we're both still freezing. They couldn't stack enough blankets on us. So I'm on a stretcher, and Kyle, if you go look us up, uh, some of the pictures. I hope Kyle doesn't mind me saying this. If you look in the picture, I'm in a stretcher, coming off the helicopter. It's right off the helicopter. I and saw he that picture. T- you did. Yep. So if you look, Kyle's wearing a Stearns, uh, flotation jacket. Yeah. And it looks like he's wearing some white shorts, <laughs> still in his underpants. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Kyle. But that's the you know that's how we were, and uh, I don't I don't even I I had everything cut off at that point, so I can't even talk. I was just wearing blinkies. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> that's why Stephanie's here. Well, I'm going
3: to say one thing, and then I'll let him tell the, the coolest part of it. But one thing I loved about these fishermen were um, the Coast Guard was told to look in this search grid, and that search grid was 13 miles away, and they told everybody looking, if if you're going to look, look inside the search grid or don't even bother. And they weren't in that search grid, and they decided to look anyway.
2: And
0: really, I
3: just thought, like, you know, a tribute to their character. Yes. You know, they were going to look anyway. And he has another cool thing that I'm going <laughs> to have him share. Oh. I
2: can't believe I forget
1: this. This is, like, amazing. So these guys decided to, to go out. They're still miles out. And this sweet fisherman that's there, the captain of the boat, that had spoken from the boat and come in. And he says, I, I can't explain how we even found you. I was on deck, and I had a pair of binoculars, and we'd pass by your point, and I passed by, and he said, and then a hand physically grabbed my head and turned it back to where we'd already passed, and stopped it, and held my head there, and I could see a little speck and him being a fisherman, he said. And uh, as I watched that speck jumping up and down, I could tell it was a guy in his skivvies. Really? <laughs> really? And he said, and so I turn around and look up and he, he said, there's no one there. And he said, but I had this hand on my head that turned it and held it. Oh, my. But there's God. no one there. And he said, I'm not really a spiritual person and i don't have much experience with these things and i don't you know he intimated he didn't even know if it was real but he had this moment he couldn't explain And of course i was like yes yes (laughs) that was a real hand and yes you were led to us and thank you for finding us you know and that was uh, just another miracle in a series of miracles and awesome experience love
0: that part of the stories thank you for se- telling that and
1: Going back to that yeah geez oh I'm like nine times out of ten she has to <laughs> I can't believe that
0: That's so awesome
1: I just get so excited talking about the rescue
2: yes thing. yes
1: <laughs> so from there we stayed at the hospital we delivered hard phone calls very mm-hmm. hard phone calls and hard news and we heard a little bit of their story, but man, I was getting, I was getting MRIs and CAT scans mm-hmm. and all sorts of things. Did you actually
0: reach out and talk to Stephanie then or somebody else yeah. to tell y- Did he talk to you? Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, there was a time at home um, well, where we were waiting to hear. Well, we had heard there were two survivors. And so we were all just waiting. Once again, he brought up that moment of who do you even hope It is. you know, Your mind just doesn't even go there. And it feels like an eternity of waiting. But um, I think you try to be optimistic. And and my mind said, well, if there's two, there's more. They just haven't found them. Like, I didn't know any of the situation. Yeah. I just thought, like, oh, they're going to turn up. They just found two. Right. You know, and so um, the moment I got a phone call from Ben from the hospital, I remember being out in the street in front of my mom's house just for some quiet, and I don't, sorry. Oh. this part's really hard for me, um, he told me then that they didn't make it, I remember him saying my dad that they, that they didn't make it, and um, I just remember I lost the feeling in my legs, you know, and... Mm. And I did, like, a really ugly man scream, you know, because that's all you can do as you're grieving. And I just, like, wanted to collapse, you know. It was a really hard moment to hear that it was real, you know. But it's so bittersweet, right, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: And there's, like, a whole nother story there. So many stories. And... I want to hear those. So when I'm asked to speak all the time, I'm like, no, everybody else. Why don't you guys all do one? Thing? And I'll sit and I'll be the audience <laughs> member <laughs> and I'll listen because <laughs> I want to hear them all. And yeah. all these like I'll hear a new thing every once in a while. And they're all incredible. Like just there were so many shows of love for other other people on that side. And that doesn't make it any easier. And there were people that really that was not. Y- you know, it it changed the trajectory of lives, certainly. Some good, some hard, and probably some still trying to figure things out. You know, yeah, and that was 20 years ago this year. So there's there's all these amazing stories surrounding it. Um, that involve all types of emotions. But that's how ours was. and and it and it was a blur at this point. And we were rushed home. We didn't even know how we got home. But we met a family member at the Anchorage airport. Somehow, we, he was a TSA agent there. At the, he was stationed there. And so he was at the gate to make sure we got on. And there were all sorts of complications we didn't know about until this year when we finally found the person that helped us. He got us to the mainland. He got us a hotel. He bought us clothes. He um, called Orrin Hatch and got us on an airplane because we didn't have IDs, didn't have IDs. Oh. and this was during 9/11. Oh, and and so it wasn't just a simple process. They had to get air marshals on there that we didn't even know about, obviously. But uh, all this stuff had to happen. Somebody had to do it, and it was this awesome guy, and, and we <laughs> were able to thank him finally for that. And and we had he's home. he's still up there.
0: You, you found him on this 20-year reunion.
1: Oh, we were able to talk to him. We we didn't actually, I think he was out doing that fishing trip with some guests. So we didn't. So we were able to just talk to him on the- Yeah, we didn't plan it out good enough. Yeah. As good as we should have that way. But we did look for other people. We looked for the captain. And you found him? He has passed away. Oh, no. Oh, that was so hard for me to hear. He called and checked on me. found my grandma's <laughs> phone number somehow and left a message saying, oh. hey. You know, this is Mike from the Kelly Bay, and I'm just wondering how everything turned out. Could you call me back? And years passed by, and and Mm. the intention was good, and we even went back. And for all I know, we met him, but my mind was still just in that position. The people were so amazing. Everyone knew who we were. No one would let us pay for anything, not even a speeding ticket. (laughs) No, no, two weeks later, we went back up. yeah. (laughs) No one would let me pay for my speeding ticket. (laughs) I'm like 60 over to make a flight. (laughs) Oh, you just hand me back license and just said like, no more accidents, you know?
0: Yeah. You've been through enough, but we
1: never really ran into him and I wanted to so badly. Oh, I bet. And we were able to meet with his widow. I, I, his ex-wife and she brought out all these pictures and everything else and showed us this. and, and uh, yeah, it was really cool to see. And that was a really cool experience to go back up there and and thank the community to go back and, and get that kind of closure. And it was it was beautiful. And coming back, just to jump back in time 20 years again, coming back to the airport turned out to be a beautiful thing too. One of my favorite pictures of us, looking at you, Stephanie, is at that airport and i'm wearing a neck brace but some news person took a picture of us and we were standing under a skylight and the sun's just shining down it's lighting us up and it's it speaks a thousand words about that moment uh. and stephanie actually painted it for me <laughs> wow that's Gave cool a painting of it but so cool yeah that the anxiety that you know i felt the worry the concern all melted away uh tons of people were there tons of news the days after we had a lot of news agencies contacting us wanting us to come to new york and do all sorts of stories but honestly i was just devastated i bet and lost you just need some time friends and family and yeah and, and somebody from time magazine came and interviewed us and at least got the story and it was a, during a time of a lot of turmoil in the world so it, it never got published you just got barely had that wow and and so yeah and it's over 20 years you know think about them every day and Uh and all the time and i've had moments of like some flashback moments that have been hard but not a lot like um we've we we have kids we have our four beautiful kids after that we decided if there was something good that we wanted to do, we were going to do it. Maybe that's led to our travel now. I don't know. But it's like you do things. Don't put it off because there might not be a tomorrow.
0: That's exactly how I'd like to wrap this, this session up is a couple of things. Ta- 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 talk to me about takeaway as far as what was the l- biggest impact of this whole experience and everything on you. How are you different today? today post that close call with death as you were before what's the biggest takeaway
1: well 20 years gives you a lot of perspective and that perspective changes over time and Mm -hmm. i'd say time you know back then it was easy to focus on a physical miracle but you know i i had a lot of I had a lot of changes that I needed to make in my life and a lot of things and I wasn't even there after the plane crash. That was just the start of a journey that three years ago. Three years ago in October. My life changed again and I experienced. The real miracle for me. Mm -hmm. The most incredible beautiful miracle of change. And And you're talking about with your son. I'm talking about with my savior. Okay. And everything changed for me. And now my life is completely different. And so you ask me now today Mm -hmm. the purpose of my survival then. And I will tell you it's so that that could happen three years ago so that I could be where I'm at today, because someone loved me enough to give me that time to change. And yes, all the other things are amazing. Like, I would never give them up. My family, I would never give my family up. But what I've gained in the last three years, in my relationship with God and with Jesus Christ and and that kind of change, Bob, is the miracle. That's the real miracle and so i'm so glad that i was given that time am i afraid to die back then i did a podcast and i said no i'm not afraid to die anymore because i've already faced like the most challenging like anticipation of death possible yeah and i didn't die and now take me anyway and and i'll accept it but i wasn't there and now finally today i can i can i i can finally say that like We've lived twenty years of amazing life together. We've seen and experienced so much together. And my heart is in a different place than it was twenty years ago. So I'm so grateful for that. And for anyone, you know, anyone out there struggling with the prospect of losing a loved one, of watching someone go through cancer, or losing someone to an accident, I know people that in Alpine. Uh, um family lost their dad in a plane crash um and it was on the news it's it's I would just share that hope with them that hope and that feeling of love that makes these miracles possible and that it's more than just this you know and I don't know if that's what you're looking for but I'm
0: looking for this great conversation (laughs) with you today and and it can take so many different forms and it's been beautiful talking to you about what you've shared with us today and um, it doesn't have to be in any shape or form or version as far as I'm concerned. You know, your story is beautiful and the experience that you gained from this, the insight you give us into uh, how a person can go through such a challenge. And come out the other side with still hope, determination, gratitude, love. All these things you're showing me tonight, that's so inspiring. And we, we all need that. And like you say, we, we need each other. We need people around us. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing, which you've learned, and, and you're passing it on. You know, you're sharing it with, with all of us. And for that, I'm really grateful. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Well, to everyone listening, I feel love for you. <laughs> all those people,
0: yeah, and they—they they can all use that. We—we we need a lot more of that in today's world, that's for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, thanks for letting us talk.
0: Oh my gosh, thank you for sharing <laughs> your insight. Uh, you know, and and honestly, as I always say at the end of these, um, you know, thanks for taking time for reflection and letting us share in your experience, because uh, being a part of your journey ultimately impacts ours. So, thank you so much, both of you. For being on the show tonight, you're awesome. Thank you. You're awesome.
1: <laughs> Stephanie, you're awesome.
2: <laughs> you're awesome, Stephanie. Thank you.
0: <laughs> love you both. Love love you. The last day of my
2: life. Live for the things that make it right. Live for the ones that make me free. Open up your heart.